Welcome to the Life of a Gentleman podcast, the number one podcast that motivates you to be your best with conversations about business, fashion, and living the gentleman's lifestyle. We interview the hottest influencers, content creators, and business owners so you get the inside story. We'll also discuss entrepreneurship and inspire you to chase after your dreams. Whether you're looking to advance your career, increase your style, or just discover the best new products, you're in the right place. And ladies, we know you're listening. This show isn't just for the fellas. It's about living your best life. And now, here's your host, award-winning author, entrepreneur, and modern-day gentleman, Richard Taylor. Hey, Rich, let's start the show. Thank you for that introduction, guys. Welcome back to the show, The Life of a Gentleman. Seriously, I told you, this show was heating up, and if you didn't believe me, you're going to believe me after this episode. We have two amazing guests for you today that are going to blow you away. We're talking about one of the industry leaders in men's suits, menswear, custom menswear, truly a bespoke experience, and if you've ever had an idea and you thought, you know what, I want to take this passion, turn it into a full-time job, you're in the right place because we're talking with Dan from Articles of Style. And if that sounds familiar, it's because you probably follow them on Instagram. And if you go way back like I do, then you might remember him from being the style blogger and this interview is absolutely amazing. You won't want to miss it. As well as that interview, we have another chat with Nate from Lost Dutchman Leather, who took his, basically his hobby, flipped it, got educated, got some training, turned it into a full-fledged business. If you're sitting there with a hobby yourself and you'd love to get paid for doing what you love, you don't want to miss this episode. Guys, I'm going to stop talking because the interviews are very powerful this week. You're going to want to take notes. You're going to want to digest all this. And here's a heads up too. We're breaking the interview with Dan up into two parts. And I'll explain why we're doing that a little bit later, but we're going to break this into two parts so that you can have the full experience of learning from somebody who has really changed the game and mastered his craft. We want to make sure that you're able to digest all this information on this episode of The Life of a Gentleman. So glad you're along for the ride. Guys, let's get into it right now. And now it's time for this week's segment of The Gentleman's News. Exclusive interviews with exceptional people discussing all things gentlemen. From business to fashion to lifestyle, industry leaders, authors, and more. This is The Gentleman's News. Hey guys, welcome back to the interview portion of the show. As always, I always say to you guys, this is my favorite part of the show because we talk to real entrepreneurs doing great things in the field of fashion and entrepreneurship. And today we have an amazing guest for you. You probably follow him, follow this brand on Instagram. We have with us Dan Trepanier from Articles of Style. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you, man. Nailed the pronunciation there, too. <laughs> All right. We did it. Got that out the way. So for those that don't know who Dan is, Dan, I'd love for you to give a brief introduction and tell us about yourself, what you do, and then we'll get into the conversation. 
Yeah, sure. I, you know, I uh, I kind of fell into menswear, kind of ass backwards. I was a college hoops player. Uh, my basketball career didn't really work out, so I started a blog, kind of as a hobby on the side. And uh, this is like right at the beginning. I was like one of the first menswear bloggers and uh, grew a big following doing that. Eventually sold the advertising and did the content thing. Um, worked for a bespoke tailor as I was blogging, so I sort of became a uh, bespoke tailoring expert, you could say, as far as online content goes pretty early on. Uh, and then as time went on, we transitioned the blog to be a online bespoke tailoring shop because I saw an opportunity to fill the void between a great in-person bespoke suit and a terrible online made better suit by offering actual fitting service to people from the convenience of their homes. So today we're Articles of Style, we're an online publication, still a blog and a content provider, uh, but also a, uh, a full-service custom menswear shop online. Nice. And, you know, just to go down memory lane, you know, I was mentioning to you when we first got on the line, you know, back in the day, this was before Instagram, before all this stuff kind of got popular. I used to follow you guys when when it was the style blogger. And it was it was it was probably in the mid 2000s, 2007, somewhere in there. And I just remember thinking like, man, these, these guys have got it together. And then it's just funny. Fast forwarding, you know, 10, 12 years to where we are now and seeing what you've created. So it, it kind of is something for the listeners to think about that. You know what? You might just start with an idea as a hobby and, and then it turns into a business. Yeah, I mean, we, there's no way we'd be anywhere without the style blogger, you know? That's kind of like we, we touched on earlier. It's, it's, we live in, a, in an era now where you can really create something and it's, it's, you know, some people have called it the digital land grab where there's sort of a changing of the guard of the big corporate businesses of the past where now new, nimble, young players can come and, and grab an audience. So if it wasn't for 10 years of blogging with no idea what we were doing except for creating something of value for our readers, we wouldn't be able to sell anything. You know, The only reason we're able to sell a $2,000 suit online is because we have 10 years of trust building and people know us as the experts, you know? So, uh, yeah, the best thing you can do for yourself right now is, is really create yourself an audience and become a quote-unquote expert in your field because it's only going to continue to be more doors that open for you uh, when you have that audience and that reputation, you know? Like, we weren't, when we were doing a style blogger, we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing, you know? But we knew that people were enjoying it and following it, so like our first day when we transitioned from a blog to a an e-commerce business, we had a huge day. You know, we sold like forty grand or something because wow. we had we had all this you know pent up energy from these guys who've been following us for so many years. Like they were saving their money. You know, obviously, we were leaking it, saying you know coming soon. This is what we're working on. We shared the whole process, including sampling, visiting factories, everything. You know, so these guys like they were already they were like you. You know, they were long time believers in what we were doing so they were the original customers and a lot of them are still repeat customers um, but again it's all because they they believe in the message you know yeah that makes a lot of sense you build up that equity with people and then they're they trust you like you said and the, the great thing I love about this story too is 
I mean, you think about what you just said, the fact that you you guys didn't really know what you were doing at the beginning and it, it's turned into a business, obviously a successful business, but that's the dream for people to do what they love. Everybody says, you know, if I could just do what I love, I wouldn't work a day in my life, you know, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know who's got that lifestyle. <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing I want you to speak to, you know, people get that in their head and not to bust any dreams because no, it's great to do what you love. But the thing is, it's like, you still have to do work. And, and a lot of times you're actually working more hours when you're doing something yeah, that you're passionate way about. more hours. Yeah, so how, hours. how's that worked for you? I mean, listen, it's like you got to love the hustle, you know? You got to love uh, the building of it, not just like doing what I love um, is a very small part. I don't even know what I love to do anymore. It's kind of <laughs> hard to say. But, you know, we, we touch so many different, like this business is pretty wide ranging in that, you know, we do content, we're all custom built tech. We obviously do heavy customer service fittings. We're heavy in factory management, production. Uh, so, you know, I'm stretched pretty thin, but I, I can't say I go through my day and I'm just all day. I'm like, oh, I'm loving this, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, there's so many parts, like, to, to create anything of value. There's, it takes so many different skills and parts that there's no way you're going to love every part you know, the people I think that love what they do is they're very singular they're like an artist or something you know where they create art sell art you know you're a rapper or something but even then like you look at a life of a rapper he's, you know he's got to do press conference he's got to go on tour he's got to do shows he's got to do collabs you know it's you don't there's no one who loves every part of what they do and you start from scratch building something then you're gonna like you said spend a lot more hours working than someone who has like a nine to five works eight hours you know not even uh, my hourly wage is laughable because I'm never off the clock you know yeah that's the thing as an entrepreneur you're always working there's and sometimes you know for myself personally sometimes I go on vacation or even just a weekend getaway and then I almost feel guilty because I'm still sneaking away to, to do some things do some marketing catch up on emails answer questions and it, you never can really turn it off because it's never really over. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's an important thing for like all these young entrepreneurs, you know, uh, people who want to do entrepreneurship got to understand is that guilt is real. You know, you always have to balance the idea that there's always something you can be doing, right? Like digital marketing, you can do that all day long. And that's a very small part of the overall business with like having a life like work-life balance when you're the one in charge of it uh, is one of the bigger challenging things you know and then you get to a point where it's like you have a hard time going on vacation because you actually like the part of what you got to do now you know so you know you got to be okay with like not being good at some things even if those things are like not keeping in touch with people or not seeing your family as often like there are trade-offs in, in everything and entrepreneurship, if you're really trying to build incredible value and, and long-term wealth, for example, um, you look at anyone who's done it, they've had significant trade-offs in their, in their personal lives and their work-life balance, you know? And it's coming from me, I got, a, I got a four-week-old baby in the other room, and I'm here talking to you. Yeah, and we appreciate your time sincerely. And and it, it, it <laughs> that was that was a joke. <laughs> no, you're trying to you, true, true, but a joke. <laughs> hey, no, and I get it though. No, I I totally understand. Um, 
as I mentioned, uh, I have two children myself. And the, the funny part is trying to juggle those responsibilities as a father. And then uh, my kids do have an interest in, in quote unquote, helping me uh, even at their young age. And so um, just trying to. But those kids will work. Man. I, I know child labor might get me. I, I won't tell you, you know, but we have them. We have them in the office. We have them doing some things at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> learning, learning some responsibility, you know. Dude, I grew up, I grew up on a farm and that's like rule number one. You have kids. You have kids to put up the work on the farm. Everybody's got to pull their weight, and and it's it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you know growing up on a farm. Sometimes we we've talked on this show, and I've had guests that, that come from smaller communities or rural communities that aren't known for being you know fashion meccas, and, and they want to get into fashion. And in their community, they're, they're looked at as odd for, for dressing a certain way. Did that ever happen to you, or was this fashion evolution later on after you moved away from home? Yeah, I mean, I was always the weirdo, man. I was super weirdo, you know? Like, I was the kid who wanted to be black and wanted to be Allen Iverson in high school, you know? I had four rows in my hair and shit. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, like, I was so, such a black sheep, especially in the farming community, but I didn't, I didn't care at all, you know? I, I actually, like, relished in the hate, you know? Like, people make fun of me, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, watch me score 30 tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, like, super, super, uh, everyone thought I was super weird. I mean, I think today it's actually a little more encouraged for kids to be more unique and a little bit weird. I mean, everyone's weird, you know? Normal is just, like, you only say that when someone the same weird as you you know yeah you got a point uh, so I don't know I, I never really even like my wife always says I don't care what people think and that's a, you know a great quality to have I don't think about it but uh, yeah I never you know being uh, a hoopster you know on the farm was kind of weird being uh, a, a fashion boy when you're playing college basketball is kind of weird uh, wearing, you know, being a suit guy and going back to the farm and shoveling cow shit is kind of weird. I mean, I think that, I, I, I love that. I, I value that, you know. I think I, I've been blessed to have, like, a very wide range of life experience. That's part of why I think the blog resonated, you know. Like, originally, I was, I was like, the major outsider of the fashion community, this farm boy, athlete guy. Uh, who's now going to, like, work for a tailor and write about menswear, you know? Like, I was, like, the guy you could have a beer with and talk about style, and that was very uh, approachable for a lot of people. But, you know, you got to remember, this is a time when fashion was, like, really hoity-toity. It was New York Fashion Week and GQ Mag, and, you know, the, the, the regular Joe was, like, didn't have an outlet. That's why, kind of, we succeeded, you know? Um, so by embracing the fact that I was an outsider it only helped resonate with people in that I was being honest and real. Like I, I, my whole thing was, I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to learn it and share it with you, you know? So being an outsider can be a huge advantage, you know? Yeah, it can. And, and you know, one thing that you said too that really just jumped out at me is that you didn't know everything when you first started, but you were willing to try things. And... From what I understand, you actually had to go backwards before you went forward. And what I mean by that is you had to go get some formal training to, to really develop all the skills and the knowledge you need to, to really get this business to where it is today. So 
Was that a tough decision, deciding to go back to school for menswear design when uh, well, that wasn't your original plan, I don't believe? No, I mean, I didn't have an original plan. Uh, I'm also an immigrant, right? I'm Canadian, so I needed a, I needed a student visa at the time. You know, mm. that's between you and me and everyone listening to this podcast. Uh, but I think that's like my biggest, like one of my frustrations with people today is like everyone is like, fake it till you make it, you know? Yeah. And that's actually the wrong way, the wrong way to build a brand or a business, you know? Like, you, it's, you're much better being honest saying, hey, I, I don't know anything. I'm on a journey of learning. I'm going to share that with you. And if you can position it in a way, write it in a way, deliver it in a way that people are engaged, then they will grow with you. They'll start to care more and they'll see you as like their guiding light. You know, like so many people now, they don't, they don't know anything. They've never been to school. They don't, they don't know anything about how a suit is made or fabrics or, or the actual nuts and bolts of, of anything. And they're saying they're an expert, you know, they're a, a consultant or something. And it's just, it's, I think people can see through that and you're cutting off your legs and that you can't, you're not going to build a brand because you don't have that authenticity, you know? So to answer your question, uh, yeah, when I graduated from Columbia, I already had a pretty big following and had already uh, spent some time with the tailor. Uh, but in order to really become like the expert that people thought I was becoming, I needed to know, you know, how everything was done like I needed to set a canvas by hand myself in order to write about why a full canvas is better than whatever you know uh, and that was important to me I mean I learned I learned a great deal that year you know or those two years I did a two year program at FIT in menswear design and tailoring and had I not done that I wouldn't I mean it's not all for show right like I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be as good at running this business had I not done that formal training so, I mean, take what you make it is great, but what's even better is, is be authentic and share your learning journey. Uh, and then you don't have to, like, you know, hide or look over your shoulder at all. Yeah, you know what? It's funny you mention all that because uh, we've talked about this on, on previous episodes. There's, there's like a million and one people on Instagram right now that are, have popped up seemingly overnight that are custom clothiers and um, tailors and... and uh, they can make you custom-made garments, and and I don't know where these people were, you know, five years ago. But it's just like it's the new in thing, and sometimes you're right. It, you see something, and a kind of an alarm goes off that maybe they don't know what they're talking about. Um, and you don't want to yeah, be taken I mean, for a ride. Just, yeah, and you can't look down on people for trying, right? I mean, if you can hustle and deliver, then good for you. But the truth is, like. You know, being a custom clother is like the easiest business to get into, right? You got zero inventory. All you need is a relationship with the factory who's already set up to make it easy for you. You got your fabric books, your measuring tape, bing, bang, boom, you're in business the next day, you know? <laughs> right. Um, what, whether or not you could actually follow through and deliver garments and get repeat business and sell, period, that's a whole, that's a whole different story. So, you know, what comes fast goes fast, you know? So it's like, you can be in business in two days, but you can be out of business in two months too, you know? So, you know, you can't just knock people for you don't know shit, you're faking it, whatever. It's going to shake out in the wash. Like, who's going to be doing this in 10 years and, and have a $10 million book of business, you know? Like, that's 
I try to take a really, I try to encourage people first and foremost, and I try to take a really long view at just about everything, you know? I don't care if this week goes poorly, this month we don't hit targets. I'm thinking 10 years, 20 years down the line, you know? So you can come and be a flash in the pan and upset some clients and deliver some bullshit garments and work with some Malaysian factory. Uh, it doesn't bother me, you know? But the lesson you're going to learn is like, you got to be good to sustain, you know? It's just, again, it's like sports. Like, you can have a great year. You can go live sanity, right? Yeah. And then just just disappear. Like, if you don't continue to get better and, and don't continue to be better than everyone that you're competing with, like, this is a massive competition, you know? Like, being an entrepreneur, you're competing. It's like everyone's trying to come for your lunch so like if you're not legit like these customers are going to have other options and if you're not delivering at a high clip like they're going to be thinking about those options when you don't deliver right away you know now that makes a ton of sense and i love what you said there because you know you have to play the long game you have to look at things long term when you're getting into business like you said you don't want to be out of business six months a year down the road we know the statistics businesses fail at a tremendous percentage within that first year. And, and you know, just even hitting a five-year mark is, is something to be celebrated in business. You gave a lot of good advice. Give us another point of advice that you would give to somebody out there that has an idea as far as sustaining their business and, and having that long-term vision. I like what you said about not worrying about a bad month. Is there any other gems you could drop on us? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're just starting, um, I think the best thing you can do and sort of the route I took was to, uh, and I wrote about this on our Instagram the other day, is, is to try to find a mentor, right? Find someone that's doing what you want to do uh, and offer them free help. You know, hey, I'll sweep the floors. Hey, I'll get lunch. Hey, you know, whatever. And while you're doing that, pick their brains for every ask them every single question you have, you know, no dumb questions and do that long enough where you feel like you've, you know, you've learned a lot. And in today's age, it's all about building the online presence, right? So like share that journey with people, tell people the truth. I'm new to this business. I'm training under this guy. Here's what I learned today. I didn't know this about this. Oh, did you know this? And uh, if you stick with that long enough, you're not only learning, but you're also building an audience that you're eventually going to sell to. So it's sort of like double arbitrage, you know? It's like, it's the best case scenario. I mean, advertising today is absolutely free. Like, we haven't spent a dollar on advertising ever, you know? Like, it's purely blogs, social media. These are platforms that you need to leverage. Uh, even if you're not even started yet, you're just on the journey because like we just spoke about that's been my whole thing right like the style blogger gave me my first customers 10 years later when we launched article style you know uh, so it's it's really about like creating an audience for yourself that you can do for free and then not being afraid about you know learning from someone for as long as you need to uh, and just being honest with yourself, like, do you, are you actually an expert? You know, are you a consultant? Do you consult for people? Do you get paid to consult? Is that something you do? Or are you just putting that because it's like a popular Instagram, you know, creative consultant thing, you know, like there are creative consultants, 
and some of them get paid a great deal. Uh, but they're not the guys on Instagram that are basically fashion models, you know? Uh, so, I don't know if that answers your question. No, that definitely uh, answered it. That, and that's a lot of good advice, a lot of practical stuff people can use. And, and that's the kind of thing we like to get. And that my... Pretty much uh, the last question I wanted to ask as far as entrepreneurship as we start to wind down is one thing I respect and notice about you is that uh, you've had a lot of the same people around you on your team for a while. And when you're building a business, you know, you have to have a, a solid team. It, it's it's good to have people around you that you can trust, that you can delegate work out to, because if you're trying to be a solopreneur, you're headed for burnout. How did you figure out a way to build this team and, and what's it been like working with your team? That's, that's a good question. Um, our team was really, uh, like when you're first starting out, you basically, you, you want to work with people that you like, you know? Uh, so it was really like, I was looking for people that were open-minded and uh, believed in what we were doing and I believed that they could figure out their role, you know. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag. The first, the first guy I officially hired was Alex Crawford, who's our photographer. And his, I mean, he has a master's in photography. He's a pro, you know. Yeah. His impact immediately was significant. Like imagery is probably seventy percent of blogging, you know. So I knew I needed that skill set, you know. Like when it comes to hiring, uh, you really don't want to hire anyone if you don't have to if you, if you can be a solopreneur like you said for as long as possible then you should do that until you're at the breaking point where it becomes obvious you need a skill set you don't have or an extra set of hands to balance the load but you have to be honest about what that load means and whether it's actually bringing in value and cash you know so I'm very proud of the fact that we are an extremely, extremely lean business. You know, we're a team of like four people that's doing significant revenue uh, because our people are pretty multi-talented uh, and we brought on the right skill set. So we're actually at an interesting point for you to ask that question because the business has gotten to a point where, uh, you know, we're taking on bigger bigger responsibilities and now I'm hiring people in a completely different way like now when you first started like you know who's going to believe in this journey who's along for the ride who can do a lot of different things who do I want to spend a lot of time with and once you get to a point it's kind of like okay who has done this before mm. who is the absolute who is the absolute expert in this particular field or role that I need and once you have a little cash, things get a little different. So you stop hiring kind of generalist homies. And you start hiring like, what's your resume look like as far as, you know, exactly this specific role? Uh, so you can get a lot more selective when you get a little more cash in your pocket and your, your brand is doing well. But at first, it's like, who are the people that can multitask and be generalist and cover a lot of ground? Like you look at our first squad you got guys on there like will howe and west Majibabi. these guys can do everything from model and style the clothes to take sales appointments to manage the e-commerce shop to uh, 
you know, just crunch numbers. I mean, Will did all of our initial financial modeling and business strategy. And, you know, he was like our, our, our model as well, you know? So yeah, we all covered, we all covered a lot of ground, but, uh, as you get older, that's not exactly the, the ideal strategy. Like if anything, we're, we're refining roles now, uh, to be a lot more specific, you know? makes a lot of sense and, and it's nice that you get to work with uh you know people you you trust people that you've known a while um and, and you gave a lot of advice for creating the vision for adding people onto that team so hey we want to thank you for for all the advice you know really for your time um lending your knowledge your skills and let me let me ask you another question it's not related with fashion though yeah, man, you got. I blocked out an hour, so you got me for a little while. All right, I did. I know you got the sleeping baby in the other room. If she wakes up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if she wakes up, I'm out. But right now, you got me sleeping. Guys, we're gonna pause it right there with our interview with Dan from Articles of Style. Really appreciate his time, but we had to break this one up into two parts for a couple reasons. He dropped so much good information. We want to have the time for you to digest it all and take it all in and reflect on it. And then have you come back for part two in two weeks. So we'll be looking forward to that here in the follow-up. You'll learn more about the business, how he's grown it into such a viable brand in this fashion and menswear space. And also have a little bit more fun and a few more laughs because Dan certainly did not hold back. He really let us know how we can get our business off the ground. But we're not done, guys. We have another interview and we're just heating up. We're talking to Nate from Lost Dutchman Leather and he makes leather goods, 100% handmade in the USA. You're gonna find out how we got started at an early age as well. So if you're a young entrepreneur, your ears really should be perking up for this. And even if you're not, He's got this business just up and running and booming. And if you want to do the same thing with your hobby, then you want to tune into this. Now, this segment of the show, we have a sponsor and we want to give them a shout out. And our sponsor for this segment of the show this week is Pins with Personality by Purnell. What this is, is a handmade lapel pin fashion line. So if you're a creative guy and you want to bring out your own dose of personality and put that on your lapel, get in touch with him. He can make you look your best and pin a handmade custom lapel on your chest. And once you pin it on, it won't only enhance your elegant ensemble, but it also is an extraordinary experience. Pins with personality by Purnell. Lapel pins, handmade from his hands straight to your lapel. Follow them on Instagram at pins.with.personality and visit them on Etsy. They have a shop on Etsy, Pins with Personality One. Thank you. If you're interested in being a sponsor as well, get in touch. We'd love to feature your business, your product, or your service on the show. Speaking of amazing products, let's get into our interview right now with Nate from Lost Dutchman Leather. Now, it's time for the Entrepreneur Spotlight. Real professionals, real business owners, and entrepreneurs drop in and drop jewels on us. Looking to learn from others that have done it? Ready to get your business really rolling? Sit back and buckle up. Our experts are ready to inspire. Let's go. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the interview segment of the show where we talk to a business owner in the world of fashion 
men's fashion in particular. And today we have somebody who's a real craftsman. And I'm excited to welcome to the show Nate from Lost Dutchman Leather. How's it going, Nate? Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Definitely glad we can connect. And for those that don't know, right right off top, let's tell them what Lost Dutchman Leather is. And then we'll dive in a little deeper on how you got started. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Lost Dutchman Leather is a brand I created um, about two and a half years ago. Um, it, it actually was not a business to start with. It was a hobby. I got into leatherworking um, when I was uh, early early teen, and uh, it grew into the business it is today. We create uh, high quality handcrafted leather goods, mostly uh, wallets and smaller smaller items like that. Now, the the fact of the matter, um, you said you started when you were thirteen. This was just kind of a hobby of yours. Um, from from what I understand, you're still relatively young right now. Um, the thing that blows me away about that is the the level of skill that you display with these products. I mean, I see a lot of leather goods, and how did you how did you get so good at this? I mean, that's really no other way to put it. I mean, the fact that I have a 13 year old myself, so I'm thinking to myself. Man, if she has a passion for something, I need to encourage her to really go for it because you've developed this skill to a level that is is really blowing people away. Well, yeah, yeah, um, definitely, definitely encourage young people to uh, to get into something and work with their hands. But um, so yeah, I'm 20. I did start when I was 13, and uh, all I can say is a lot of a lot of work, a lot of practice. Um, there's no hard work into anything. Uh, you'll, you'll get good at it um, So yeah Learned a lot from, from other crafters and whatnot. No that's great The thing is that When you can take your passion Turn it into a business Just really to me There's no better feeling than doing that I'm curious though uh, You mentioned that That you were passionate about doing this But the fact that you're still doing it 100% Handmade um, that's a differentiator for me because there's a lot of people that sell leather goods and you can kind of tell it's like mass marketed, mass produced. But the fact that you're doing this 100% handmade, that sets you apart from the competition, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, you see a lot more a lot more mass produced wallets and they seem to get cheaper and cheaper and last shorter and shorter. Um, so that's something that's always been important to me is the, the craftsmanship side of it. Uh, it's, it's kind of a balance between being a business and being a, a successful way to make money and also still being a craft and a, and a trade. Um, so I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to balance those two aspects of it, but uh, so far we're, we're doing it. Yeah, it's amazing that you're doing it. It looks great. All of the work that you're producing. Now, what's been some of the feedback or the most surprising or, or best proudest moments of feedback that you've gotten thus far? Um, you know, honestly, anytime, anytime I get a message from a customer, uh, an email, that makes my day every time it happens. Um, just hearing a customer rave about something you made, uh, it, it, you know, that feeling doesn't get much better than that. Um, I've had, I've had big moments where, uh, 
you know, I'll get a big wholesale order or something, and that'll, you know, that's a, that's a big thing, obviously. Um, but you feel those just those reviews. Um, anytime, anytime a customer's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, that makes sense. It's got to put a big smile on your face when people are satisfied with the work or they rant and rave about it. And speaking of customers, since these items are handmade, I'm curious if I'm a guy who wants to purchase something from you, maybe I want to purchase a card holder. Can I customize that to a certain degree? Is that possible when ordering with you? Yeah, totally. And that's uh, that's another thing I would say that sets, um, sets us apart from a lot of the bigger brands is the, the customizing aspect of it. Um, yeah, always open, always open to custom orders or uh, custom colors. So the fact that it's custom made, does that mean it's going to take a real long time? How does it? How long does it take to get an item produced? Let's let's just stick with the the card holder. If I want a card holder, how long would it take for a custom order? Uh, right now, I'm at a lead time of two weeks, and that's that's. I try to stay under that as much as possible. Uh, there are times where I'm I'm kind of underwater and it, it ends up being a little bit longer, but typically, typically I try to stay under two weeks. All right, nice. And so another question that I have, and this is just curiosity getting the best of me here, is where do you source the leather? Because a lot of these pieces, I mean, it looks like top quality leather. I'm not an expert, you know, but just looking at the product itself, it looks like it's it's of the highest level. So where do you source the product from? Yeah, uh, so it is. It is the highest quality I can get. Um, I source uh, from a couple couple different tanneries in the U.S. One is a Horween leather in Chicago, and another is Wicked and Craig leather that's in a base in Pennsylvania. Both are over 100 years old. Both source uh, U.S. cowhide. Um, so it is definitely they're they're very renowned and reputable tanneries in the uh, in the leather manufacturing field. Yeah, you definitely can tell it, it shows up. And another thing that I noticed that kind of sets you apart from some others that I follow is that the imagery, the pictures, the photography. I'm curious to know. Do you work with a specific photographer or are you doing this yourself? Because it's actual, it's actually phenomenal and it really helps sell the pieces. Just seeing you doing the work and just seeing the up close details of these products. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it is, it is just me right now doing the photograph. And uh, that's kind of interesting because I had never even thought about really getting into photography at all um, until I realized I, I need to start taking better product pictures uh and a few months into starting my business um i invested in a camera and uh that's actually kind of grown as a side hobby of mine just some some different forms of photography yeah you definitely have a real eye for it a real knack for it the pictures are are really engaging it captures the product but it also shows them kind of being used in real life and uh gives you an idea of the size and scale of the products as well now speaking of the products uh, I'm looking at one right now, the Finnegan. This is a great design. How do you come up with these different designs? Because some of them are really unique. Yeah, um, so that's, the Finnegan is actually one of my top sellers. And that was loosely based off a design 
a customer actually had um, had as a as a custom order that within I believe it was like my first three months of crafting um, I had a custom request something similar to that. Once I made it, I realized this is this is an awesome design. So I, I worked with it, tweaked some things, and uh, yeah, it became the Finnegan. Um, other designs, I just I have a I have an idea, and I sit down, I sketch it out. Um, sometimes it turns out, sometimes sometimes it doesn't. But uh, typically, I, I have a concept. I make a sketch, get some basic dimensions, and then uh, I start prototyping. And uh, you know that that can be a process all itself. Sometimes it'll be a couple a couple prototypes, and I've got it. Sometimes it'll be five six prototypes, and I still have to make little tweaks to it. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Um, one of the things also that I noticed, and this is kind of funny, is that um, we have something in common. It's that we both started our businesses selling on Etsy. And yeah. so what what was that like? And at what point did you realize, hey, I need to brand this. I need to have my own website and really turn this into a quote unquote real business. Right, right. Uh, I, you know, I should have done it. I should have done it sooner in hindsight. But Etsy, I... Etsy was extremely easy to start with. It's so easy to get your products up there, and uh, you know, and very cheap, very user friendly. Um, so, the people who are starting to sell, I, I highly recommend Etsy because it's so easy to just get something out there and get going. Um, and then, yeah, eventually you do, you do want to brand yourself, like you said, and uh, kind of, kind of be your own own business, you know. Um, so yeah, it was. I think it was over. A year after selling on Etsy, that I finally opened a uh, an independent website. I, sh- I could have done it sooner, probably should have, but but yeah, started on Etsy. Yeah, and you know what? The reason I mentioned that is because a lot of people who listen to the show are into entrepreneurship. Um, they have business ideas and they're not sure how to start them. So when we have entrepreneurs on like you. It, it kind of reaffirms what we tell them and, and lets them know, hey, it's okay to start small, start on Etsy, grow into your business, uh, develop into into a brand uh, the way that you have. And, and yeah, you know, your social media is really exploding. And so if anybody wants to kind of see exactly what we're talking about, because right now they're only hearing about it, um, we want to get them onto your website, onto your Instagram, so they can learn more about you and actually see these products how can they do that right on so yeah my website is lostdutchmanleather.com and uh facebook instagram handle is lostdutchmanleather so yeah go give me a follow that was very easy easy to connect <laughs> it's, it's been actually just great talking to you really inspiring to know that you know what guys you can start small you can start on another platform and really one the biggest thing I want to take away from this is follow your passion, right? Yeah. Great things happen yeah, when you sure. do that. Great things, great things. Nate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the life of a gentleman and we look forward to speaking with you and following your progress. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of The Life of a Gentleman. 
So glad you took this ride with us. Before we close out, let's send a big shout out and thank you to our guest today, Nate from Lost Dutchman Leather and also Dan from Articles of Style. We truly appreciate you. And also our entrepreneur spotlight sponsor, Pins by Purnell. Give him a follow on Instagram at pins.with.personality on Instagram. And as always, we want to give a special shout out to the show sponsor, Harrison Blake Apparel. If you're interested in men's neckties, accessories, or the monthly subscription club, which is simply the best monthly subscription club out there that gives one tie plus four matching accessories for $25 a month, jump on their website, harrisonblakeapparel.com. Use the code, the number two, F-O-R in all caps and get two packages for only $15. That's your first month, $15 and you get two packages. There's a bonus this month. So shout out to Harrison Blake Apparel for that. But also guys, come back next week. As I mentioned at the interlude, Dan will be coming back on. We'll finish up that interview. You'll hear more about how he grew articles of style from something that started just as a passion project. And also, I'd love for you to do us a favor. It's only gonna take about 30 seconds of your time. We have about 130 reviews on iTunes. We're rated at five stars. If you would help us out, our goal is to get to 150 by the end of the year. So if you could rate, review, and then subscribe to the podcast, that'd be awesome. That way, you won't miss an episode. They're absolutely free, and they'll be going right to your phone or your mobile device every single time a new episode drops. And last but not least, special announcement, we are now on Spotify. So take us with you in the car, on the app, wherever you go. The life of a gentleman goes with you on Spotify. Thanks so much for listening this week. Looking forward to connecting with you. Always give us a follow at The Life of a Gent on Instagram. If you want to be featured, if you have a story that needs to be told, a business that other people need to know about, get in touch and we'll see what we can do. Guys, as always, until next time, take care.